Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. So today I want to kind of talk to you out of my life. I want to talk to you about traps. Traps. I mean, we Texas folks, we set traps. I had, uh, I live a block and a half from downtown and I, had, I took a picture of five coons in a tree, had a possum, armadillo, flock of buzzards, squirrels. Texas, we just get, we just get stuff. They just come through. And you kind of want, sometimes you want to trap them so you can relocate them or secretly kill them, whatever you want to do. But traps. The enemy wants to entrap you. He... Uh, He's a deceiver. In Texas, we have a thing called, well, wherever you go, there's a chigger. We call them chiggers. And you ever been by a chigger? You know, you scratch and you scratch. What I want to know is how this little creature knows how to get to your vitals and bite you in specific places where you just need to scratch and you know it would be impolite <laughs> to do such. Because as you suddenly turn around and you're, you're, and the people say, look at how rude can someone, no, I've been chigger bit. Leave me alone. I need, to, I need to take care of some business. This is not good. I need to get some relief. How, how does he know? How, do, how, can, how does the enemy know to hit you below the belt like that? Because he's been at it a long time. And if you think you understand everything, then you're already deceived. You think that you can't be deceived, you think you can't be trapped, then, sweetheart, I'm sorry. You're sweet, you're loving, but you're not right. The enemy, he's always wanting to take advantage of you. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. If his mouth is moving, he's lying. We know that Jesus defeated the devil. In Matthew 28, 18, it's, Jesus says this, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And if Jesus has all authority, then the devil has none. He has no authority. The devil can't make you do anything. Jesus said in Luke 10 verse 19... Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. This is demonic powers the scriptures are talking about. And over all the power of the enemy, which is demonic forces, Satan himself, and nothing, 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 are you hearing me, shall by any means hurt you. I don't know about you, but that makes me feel 10 foot tall. It makes me feel like that I have something in my arsenal to combat the wicked one with. Jesus has given you authority in his name. The only way the devil can have authority is when you believe his lies and you begin to agree with him. He gives you a thought. We call them fiery darts. 
Just because you have a negative, lustful, demonic thought doesn't mean it came from you. What he wants you to do is begin to entertain that thought. When, he begins, when you begin to entertain that thought, then his hope is that you'll begin to act on that thought. See, he's always trying to get a hook in some way, somehow. And everyone's got different weaknesses. Don't look at me like you're all holy or thou. Come on. We come here to do some church business. You, we, want, we want to be honest and sincere. And we want, we want the Lord to really help us today. So the devil is a, goes about as a roaring lion. That means he he's, he's, he's tries to intimidate. Whenever you walk into a room and suddenly you feel small or you want to, or someone talks to you and you feel intimidated or you feel manipulated, it's not God in that. He's out to devour. And he devours through lying, through deception, and he wants you to think very poorly about you. He wants you to be deceived. I don't know about you, but I get tired of giving my victory away. We know that Jesus has knocked the devil's teeth out. He can't bite us. He can just roar. His only, his only weapon is to whisper lies. Young people, when you look in the mirror and it's night, late at night and you start hearing this, you look in the mirror and you say, you're so ugly. Why don't... You're so stupid. Why are you so stupid? Everyone laughed at you in class or someone blasted you on social media and you start thinking less of yourself. Those are lies. They're lies. And you start trying to conform to make other people like you. The hook, it comes. Trying to pull you into a web. We don't want to allow those... When the enemy begins to lie to you, he says, you're so stupid, I'm so smart. You're so ugly, I am one good-looking guy. I mean, I come on. Face, you got to confess things you want, you know. Amen. Hair come in Jesus' name. <laughs> I, I confessed that, so I went and bought some one time. Wore toupee for years. Now I just wear cool hats. We know the enemy can't steal your salvation. He can't send you to hell. But he can try to make you live hell on earth. He can make your marriage hell. He can make your family hell. Make your work hell. And you bring it home. Am I talking to the right kind of people today? Huh? He's out to steal your joy. He's out to steal your peace. He just loves making your life miserable. You should get really mad about this. You should just say, no, I'm, I'm having all this. A simple test is this. Uh, your mood. Are you sad? Are you offended? Unhappy? Fearful? Worried? Angry? Not God. That's not God. You're thinking wrong. You're thinking wrong. The enemy guides your thoughts that will affect your mood. And, one, and suddenly you find yourself in a bad mood and you don't know why. And you say, have you ever warned your children? They walk in the door, 
stay away from mom. <laughs> and if she picks up a knife, go to the other room. I'm warning you, stay away. Why? Because mom's had a bad day and the enemy's lying. He's out to get something. How many have often you've, you, you've done something wrong and you said, Lord, forgive me, and then you feel distant from the Lord? Oh, he said, I just, I, you know, I just wish that the Lord and I would be like we used to be and everything would be okay. Oh, as soon as you say, Lord, forgive me, I'm sorry. What does he do? What does he do, church? Does he hold you account or does he forgive you? Yes. Come on, get with me on this. Does he forgive you? Yes. So if he forgives you, then forgive yourself. No, oh, I need to beat myself for a while. You know how bad I've done? You know, oh, what's greater, your sin or, or, or God's righteousness? What's greater, my sin? No, Jesus' righteousness is greater than your sin. His blood covers all your past, present, and future. Hallelujah. It says in 2 Corinthians 2.11, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We're not ignorant of his devices. In the, in the Passion Translation, it says, so that we would not be exploited or taken advantage of by the adversary, Satan, for we know his clever schemes. Why do we have leaders in the church? Because we have been deceived. We have been entrapped, and we know how to help people get out of traps. The people that are sitting here, there's probably not a sin or a problem or a difficulty that we have not seen Jesus get us out of. There's wealth in this room to help people get out of traps. So he always wants to misrepresent the truth. It says that we're not to be ignorant they, know, they say this, this is what I don't know won't hurt me. We heard also said that ignorance is bliss. Yeah, that don't work. Not in this text. We don't have the luxury of being ignorant of the devil's schemes. And you need to let your children know. Now, we don't glorify him. He is, he is not equal to God in any way. He's just a lying thief is all he is. But we have to understand there is a thief that tries to come from time to time. The Greek word ignorant here is ignigno. I probably misbutchered that. And it's defined this, to be ignorant of the facts. It's a picture of an uneducated person, not a stupid person, an uneducated person who due to lack of knowledge is prone to arrive to mistaken conclusions. Ignorance, the, the ignorant describes someone who's making a life decision off inaccurate information. How many have made those kind of decisions? Their conclusions are faulty and they are misguided. Therefore, they are ignorant of the truth, and they will continually make wrong decisions. 
I've counseled a lot, and it's not uncommon for us to run across a particular person that is drawn to the wrong opposite sex. It seems like they'll always go there. It's like <laughs> they're drawn to people that are addicted. Suddenly, this good girl finds herself involved with an addicted person, and then they it nearly destroys their life, and next thing you know, the first person that they meet is their addicted person, secretly. I've seen this happen again and again. And it's not the will of God. We want to break all of that. We want to become wise in it. So often people start making bad decisions, and they get stuck on stupid. They just, they just, that's, a, that's anyway, that's, Psychologists told me one time that is a term they use. People just get stuck, and they make one bad decision after another bad decision after another. Is anybody here can identify with people that you know that have done that, and possibly even yourself? We, we get the word agnostic from this Greek word, and it means that it defines people that don't know if there really is a God or not. I'm not sure. So basically, agnostics are claiming they're ignorant of all the facts. They just don't know. So, so an example of this is someone that is raised in a, 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 a church where healing is said it's been passed away. And they believe the sickness that they are experiencing in their body is given to them from God. That's not true. We, we know that. That is not God's will for us at all. We know that Jesus came, and we know that <laughs> he came to forgive us all of our sins and to heal our bodies, that God himself anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the enemy. We know that when Jesus found the, leper, or found, uh, the lepers, he says, listen, it is my will to heal you. Go and be healed. It's always God's will to heal, 100% of the time. So don't be ignorant of the schemes. Don't be ignorant of deceptive practices. Be cautious, especially with all the things that's available today. It's scary the amount of information that your kids, us, as adults, we sit with our phones, with our devices, and we soak in so much garbage sometimes. We have to be careful what we listen to. Satan desperately wants your mental real estate. He wants to occupy the land between these ears. If he can get you to think wrong, he can get you to act wrong. If he gets you to act wrong, he can build a habit. And a habit leads to a lifestyle, and a lifestyle can end up into an addiction. An addiction is this. Addiction is I can't get enough of something I hate. I can't get enough of something I hate. You hate it. You detest it. I hate this. I don't want to do this. If there was a magic button I could push and never do it again, I'd push it immediately. And yet you're drawn to it. Weaknesses, triggers, you're hurt inside over an issue. Something in your life pulls you in a direction you don't want to go. Find ourselves in these pain, and it's so, we don't understand what it's from. Where, how, why am I doing this? 
I don't understand. No one else has this but me. <laughs> oh, you sweet little person, you. You think you're the only one that sins. You're the only one that's drawn to things that are not right. Bless your little heart. Yeah. My goodness. Psalm 91.3 is a hope for us. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. A snare is a trap. What's a fowler? A fowler is a bird catcher. There are three characters in this verse. The deliverer, the fowler, and you. God is our deliverer. We are the bird. That makes Satan the bird catcher. So, <laughs> the psalmist is declaring without a doubt, God will deliver you from the trap of the devil and restore your freedom. That's good news. I don't know about you. I've been trapped. Amen. I got one person that said amen. The rest of you just in here sitting on the bench. You just... <laughs> no. He compares us to birds. Why in the world... <laughs> Would he compare us to birds? I think, man, I don't know. I'd, I'd rather be a lion or a bear. But why a bird? Because the subject's freedom. And we've all heard this, free as a bird. There's not a wall that intimidates a bird. If a bird lands on a branch and it breaks, what does he do? Flies to another. He's not, he's not, he doesn't go into dramatic crying because my branch broke, I fell to the ground. No, he just simply flies to another and sings. Free as a bird. Going where we want singing. Isn't it amazing? Birds fly over fences, cross into prisons. He's the freest of all of God's creatures. And that's what we are. That's what you are. Even if you don't know it. Because Jesus said, John 8, 36, it says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I'm free. I'm free. Are you free? Free. I'm free. Well, do you, no, no, you understand. I, I, I have issues. No, I'm not talking about issues. I'm talking about freedom. I'm free. No, but you, I'm not perfect. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about freedom. I'm free. Are you free? If Jesus says you're free, are you free? Hmm? The devil hates freedom that you have in Christ, and he'll do anything he can to entrap you. He's a bird catcher. He don't want you to discover your ability to soar above the problems of life, and he just sure doesn't want you to discover worship and praise. Man, I love this worship team. Man, it was soothing to my heart. I, I, it was really good. I enjoyed it. Y'all do a tremendous job. I'm not just saying that. It was really good. Pastor's job, a mentor's job, a leader's job is to teach you about the traps of the wicked one. 
to help you to stay free, to help you get free. Because if you get ensnared, what you want is freedom. Suddenly you find yourself caught, you need freedom. And so often what we do is we don't want to let anyone know that we're caught. We want to just secretly stay in a trap. You need help. You need help. What we find is, well, you know, they tell you give you homework. You go to counseling, they're going to give you, they should give you homework. They say, all right, you need to come to church. Every time you can, you need to come to church. You can't be in church physically, then you need to be online. We need, you need, we need to have some kind of contact. You need to read your Bible. You need to pray. We just simple things. They begin to give you certain things to do for freedom's sake. And you say, no, that is just legalism. And I don't want to go to a legalistic church. Godly discipline is not legalism. It's a necessity. And I go to Africa. I've been going to Africa for 18 years. I got an African. I have to tell people, no, I did not marry an African woman, but I have an African son there. And, uh, and I could talk to you all day about the miracles that's happened in Africa. But there's, in Ghana, there is a, you go, get away from the city, you run into poverty quick. And what they do there is they'll, they'll get about a three-foot fence, and it's high enough that, uh, and the, about this high, and they'll put their chickens in there along with the chicks. Now, can you imagine yourself being a chicken? Suddenly now you're confined by this fence. And the idea is they get to graze in that area, and then a little while they'll pick up and they'll move the fence so the chickens can graze that area as well. But if you're a little rebellious chicken, you, go, you start talking to the other chicks and say, hey, these guys, this guy's confining us. He's keeping us from all these. You say, hey, I can look out here. There's a lot more out there to eat than in here. We should, we should form a coup and try to get out of this. You get something going our way. But what the chicken does not understand is he has an enemy and it's called the hawk and what the hawk does when he comes to get his prey he swoops in grabs his prey and swoops out and the fence frustrates his swoop he can't get his prey legalism protection not legalism at all it's protection I don't know what you think about seatbelts, but the, they say that it saves lives. Legalism. Helmets. Legalism. All these things that come at us at times, and we say these are legalism. But actually what it's for is for protection. You have godly leaders in your life, and they start... <coughs> They get around you long enough and they start finding issues about you and they start speaking into those things and you go, okay, I'm going to go find another church because you don't want to hear it. You'd rather stay free or entrapped, which is it? Like the hippies of my generation. I was a cocaine, snorting, dope-smoking, acid-dropping hippie. And Jesus saved me. Thank God. Now, this bald head, I used to have a red fro. 
I kid you not. I had curly hair. It was out to here, Bubba. I could shake it like there, and I looked like a red, red weed outside. <laughs> it was so red, you could put me on the side of the street, and that's like a reflector. I mean, it was red. <laughs> as, as John, he'll tell you how red it was. So what we did is we threw off, we threw off all the traditions of our fathers. And we said, no, we know what freedom is. We, we, we put it off. And so we started looking for drugs, new age, make love, not war. And we went crazy. Got addicted, and many died early. We're all calling it freedom. Wasn't freedom at all, was it? Think about when Noah was building the ark. Here he is at it. He's going, he's building it, and they start putting all the animals on there, two by two. Some of them are seven. Got them all in there, shut the door. They got one window. How many of you have been in a barnyard before? What do you smell when you get to barnyard? Hmm. What do you smell? What do you think that ark smelled like with one window? Now, I know there could have been heavenly duck work there some way or another, but somehow I don't think there was, but still, there could have been. I may be corrected when I get to heaven, but right now, I just said, man, oh man, the smell with one window. But it's still the safest place to be. That's what the church is. People in here, <laughs> lots of poop in your lives. Lots of stuff. And we're all in here together. All of us got a little scent of the world on us. I mean, naturally speaking. But it's still, the church is the safest place to be. I know some of you are watching on Facebook, and God bless you for it. But if you don't have any health issues, get your butt in church. Because there's an anointing in here that will help you. You need to be here. Thank God that you're watching. If you can't be, and you protect your life, absolutely. But if you're healthy, don't use it as an excuse. You need to get in the ark. Now, I forgot my illustration, a mousetrap of all the things I forgot. And, uh, but we know what one looks like, so you can put that in your mind, a mousetrap. We all know how it works. You put some enticing cheese on the mousetrap, and lo and behold, here comes a mouse. And he comes through, he grabs a hold of it, and guess what? His life is over. And now he's bit into deception. It looked good, smelled good, he thought it was good, and it ended his life. There's two principles in this trap that are in every trap in the world. The first principle is the principle of deceit, a trap never looks like a trap to the creature it's intended to trap. Yeah. You look at it, you understand it. Yeah. It's a trap. So you're not enticed to bite into the cheese at all. But to the mouse, it's a cheese platter. And so often we get around people, for instance, so you're in a marriage and it's, Things aren't going good, and next thing you know, you run across a flirty 
associate and you guys flirt a little bit and next thing you know, looks good, smells good. Oh man, you get in trouble quick. Because not everything that looks good is good. Not everything that talks sweet is sweet. Are you listening to me? A trap never looks like a trap to the one it's intended to trap. A man one time was walking along and he picks up a poisonous snake. The poisonous snake has been injured. He takes it home. He begins to nurture this snake and he thinks in his heart, I'm building a relationship with this snake. The snake and I are bonding. He pets the snake. The snake, the, the, the snake never does anything. It just almost curls up around him a little bit. And he thinks, man, he's, he continues to feed, continue to feed. And then the snake gets healthier and healthier. And then one day he comes to feed him and the snake strikes, finds his mark, and the man begins to die. And in my make-believe story, he begins to talk to the snake. He says, why did you bite me? I fed you. I brought you in. I took care of you. I nurtured you. We were friends. He says, you knew I was poisonous and dangerous when you picked me up and brought me in. And so it is with us. We look at things. We flirt with the world and we bring it in and we says, it won't harm me. It won't bite me. I'm friends with it. No, you're not. Be careful what you bring home and feed. That little kitty kitty will turn into a monstrous lion if you're not careful. The second principle is a trap is designed to be stronger than the creature it's intended to trap. If you're going to trap a little mouse, then all you need is a little trap. If you're going to trap a bear, you need a bigger trap. You've got to have a bigger trap. It's got to be stronger. It has to be. And so that's what it is with the enemy. He's always looking for a bigger trap. When you find new liberties in Jesus, so we've always heard it like this, is new levels, new devils. The enemy is always finding new ways to try to entice and to entrap. I find this in leaders all the time. They come to me, call me, and they're at a whole other level, one place, and yet the enemies come in to try to find a new way to get in. Psalm 124, 7 is good news. Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowler, and the snare is broken, and we have escaped. Oh, that's good news. I know that Pastor Eric and Heather and this leadership team does everything they can in their power to keep you free. And if you get entrapped, to see you set free. That's what they desire more than anything else. We know that the Lord is always after our freedom. The trap, the mouse trap is what we would call a trap of trauma. It's something that hits you suddenly. You didn't know it was coming. For instance, if you find, if, if a trauma hits you and then you find yourself acting out in a way that you thought you would never act to try to soothe that hurt or that pain, it's trauma. It's a trauma. It's like the, a, a mouse. I had a friend of mine, he had, had a mouse trap. And every night he would put this, he, he would put uh, peanut butter on this trap and he'd wake up in the morning and the trap would be empty and it would be unsprung. 
Now think of it. Peanut butter all over this trap and that mouse up there with every lick closer and closer to death. He beat it the first time. He beat it the second time. Third time, no consequences. But he's playing with something that could kill him and destroy his life. Galatians 5.1 says, let me be clear. This is in the Passion Translation. The anointed one has set us free, not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. We must always cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of the past. We don't want to do that. Hallelujah. Again, I have preached way too long. I'm going to have to preach, move from this wonderful illustration I was going to give you. But nonetheless, I'll tell you anyway, real quick. Years ago, a guy named Bill lived in Colorado. And he, he had a friend that lived next to him. And he walked over there one day and he found this friend of his has, had trapped an eagle. Full-grown eagle, majestic. And he had him tied to a train, and it, and it had that chain nailed to a stump. And that eagle would just go out and walk around that stump. And then we'd look at the stop and look at the mountains where he belonged, and then he would start walking again. He'd walk so many times around it that he'd made himself a trail. Well, Bill looked at his friend and says, man, you can't do this. This is an eagle. You can't do this. He says, I'm not. It's my pet now. He said, well, I tell, you, I tell you what, I'll give you money. What do you want? <laughs> I said, well, you won't be stupid enough. You know, give me a hundred bucks. He thought, oh, man. Finally, he said, okay, all right, all right. So he gave him a hundred bucks. So he walks over and gets wire cutters and cuts it. And he steps back to watch this bird fly off into the sunset. And he watched the bird. What did he do? started walking again, walked around the stump, stopped and looked, desiring freedom, all the while free. He was trapped in tradition. He was trapped in a way he could not see that he was free. Jesus has set you free. The wire cutters came out and cut you and you're free. What do you do? You proclaim your freedom. You proclaim. I always tell you, in the midst of everything that's going on, I told you that it's, you have to announce, I'm free. I'm free. A lot of us can identify with this eagle. We know the blood of Jesus has set us free. We know it here, but inwardly we feel entrapped by so many things. And we have to proclaim what the Word of God says is that we're free. Say with me, I am free. free. Now let's say, let's say it like we really believe it. I am free. I am free. Whenever you think of thoughts of discouragement, Thoughts of defeat, thoughts of lack, thoughts of failure, thoughts of inferiority. 
There's a physical chain coming out, a mental or a spiritual chain, coming out to try to grab a hold of you to bring you into bondage. At times like that, you have to say, no, I'm free. I'm free. Seems sometimes impossible. But think about it. As you've probably heard it many times, the illustration here is that July 4th, 1776, we proclaimed our freedom. But yet for the next four or five years, we fought for our freedom. All the while declaring, I'm free. I'm free. Are you free? Are you free? Then you got to say it with your mouth. I'm free. Say it like you mean it. I'm free. I'm free. Well, I'm just, that's just hypocritical. That's a lie. That's a lie. <laughs> well, you can say it lie you want to, but that's what I'm going to say. I'm free. I'm free. The blood of Jesus has set me free from death, hell, and the grave. I love it. Lord. <laughs> For he, he who is in you is greater than he's in the world. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now the Lord is a spirit where the spirit of the Lord is our liberty. Christ has set us free uh, to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. I'm free. I'm free. I refuse to bow my knee to sin. And if you happen to struggle, and if you happen to fall, then get up. Jesus, forgive me, and say, I'm free. If, you're, if you desire to stop smoking cigarettes, and you're smoking a cigarette, say, I'm free. I'm free. Wherever the addiction is, whatever you're in the midst of it, you declare, I'm free. Make a stand. you got to start somewhere. Are you listening to me? Freedom belongs to you. It's up to you to stand for it. It's up to you to secure it because Jesus has bought it for you. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.